0: This podcast is brought to you by Benjamin, a workflow automation engine that allows advisors to focus on their clients rather than data management. Learn more at getbenjamin.com. So I just simply made a quick video explaining what I do, what the cost is, and I require every person who wants to meet with me to watch that video. So ever since I started doing that, it's reduced the amount of people that reach out. And my conversion is like almost 100% because by the time they get to me, they're like, just send me the paperwork like i'm ready to go
1: joining me on bridging the gap today Colin Overway Colin is the founder and ceo of advise wealth management where they help clients make smart financial decisions while specializing in retirement and investment management Colin opened up about his unique ways of leveraging social media to gain new clients and help the younger generation learn about the financial industry and just as a teaser it's tiktok unbelievable got to listen Colin also dug into the pros and cons of working 100% remote. He talks about technology innovations and how Colin leans in heavily on robo-platforms to help clients. This was one of those conversations of an innovative financial advisor building a firm of the future. It was fun. It met everything that you all want. So let's jump in with Colin Overway. This is Bridging the Gap with your host, Matt Reiner. Colin Overway, welcome to Bridging the Gap. Thanks so much for taking time to join us. How's everything on the West Coast, which some say is the best coast, but I disagree. But how's everything on your side?
0: Just living the dream, Matt. Thanks for having me, man.
1: That's awesome. Well, I'm so happy that you're joining us and this is going to be a lot of fun. So I I want to just kick off. I mean, I, I have a... A passion for for la i have a passion for wealth management i and i'm always just intrigued by people's journeys to where they are today and i i ask it all the time i think listeners may get bored but I, it's one of the most interesting questions for me because i like to learn about people is how how did you get to starting your own firm Advise wealth management is the name of the firm you've been doing it for four years how did you get to that point was this something that you're like hey when i grow up i want to be a founder ceo of a wealth management firm or was it some other kind of journey you went on to get to this point?
0: Yeah. So had no idea I was going to be going into the wealth management space out of college. I actually went to Michigan State University originally to study chemistry and potentially get into the medical field. They have one of the largest cyclotrons in the Midwest, which for anyone that's nerdy enough to even know what that is, basically it's just a massive tube that you smash atoms together and study isotopes. So one of the elements on the periodic table was actually founded or discovered at Michigan State University. And I thought, all right, I'm going to go there, study this. I'm good at math, good at chemistry. That's, I guess, what you go into if, you know, just keep studying the fields that you're best at from high school, transitioning to college. And then ended up talking to a buddy who was bragging to me, probably over a beer or something, that he was making money. Uh, in the market. You know, he's up $50 today. And I was like, what are you talking about? You have been hanging out with me this whole time. How did you make money? And I just got so intrigued by the idea of being able to be a part owner in a company just super fundamentally. And then as that company's sales grow, and the value grows, you get to participate in that growth. And that just blew my mind. It was the first time I was ever introduced to that. I'm from a blue collar family. My dad's a residential framer and builds houses for a living. So really didn't have a ton of exposure to that uh, industry and that field. So. Just started going down uh, that rabbit hole and sitting in on some of those classes. Next thing I knew that my hobby was trading stocks. And I have some horror stories of how I lost so much money, just like most people who need to touch the the hot stove right, and start day trading to figure out how not to manage money. I did the exact same thing, learned all the mistakes and started studying. I made the pivot from medical field to finance at that time. And never looked back. And then, of course, getting into the industry is always a challenge. Um, I, just like a lot of people getting into the industry, stumbled across a insurance company and kind of the eat what you kill model. And they never talked about real financial planning, just talked about selling products. And just trying an effort to sell more, wanted to create a little more credibility. So I thought I should get some letters behind my name. So I started studying for the CFP. And then that taught me all about the things that I'm not currently doing. And that really was kind of a coming to Jesus moment in the financial planning world, if you will, because it just really opened my eyes to all the different aspects of planning. And then I ended up kind of continuing to stumble from broker dealer to broker dealer who just continued to try to push products via financial planning. And I just said, you know what? I am so done with all of this sales Oriented models. I am going to start my own RIA, do things the way that I feel is best and where I can deliver the most value to my clients. So I just started my own virtual practice. Now I can work from home, work from anywhere that moved us from or gave us the ability to move from Michigan to Los Angeles so that my wife could chase her dreams. And I said, you know what? I can struggle building this virtual practice from anywhere. So why not, uh, you know, get crashed by a couple of waves here on the West coast while we're at it.
1: I love that. I want to tap in your journey there in a second, but I want to, I want to go even further back and say the 13 year old Colin Overway, you know, what is he, what is he wanting to do? Because it's not, you know, maybe it's chemistry, maybe it's being a chemist, but what is it that the 13 year old Colin Overway wanted to do and how far away are we from what you wanted to do?
0: Boy, we're, we've uh, we've shifted quite a bit. I think 13 was when I was still racing motorcycles. I actually got to a couple state championships under my belt as a youngster uh, on a motorcycle. My dad is same thing. He was racing when I was racing, so that was kind of the the goal or the the dream as a kid growing up. Still ride bikes. I actually just got back from visiting Michigan. My sister got married last week, so while I was home my dad and I had to get up north and and we were ripping uh, around on the side-by-side and on the dirt bikes. So we still do that from time to time, but as a profession, money management might be in the opposite world from uh, racing dirt bikes.
1: I love it. It reminds me of Ricky Fowler, right? He's big into uh, racing dirt bikes, but uh, he plays golf. So it's not his, it's not his profession. Now, before we dive into some of the, because I, I really want to touch on you know some of the ways that you 're communicating with clients, some of the ways that you 're attracting clients, which I think is really interesting, right how you 're utilizing social media beyond what I think people think about social media today which we 're going to get into but you know you started this business four years ago, two thousand and eighteen or so, and you know it was a good time to start a business we were in a bull market, but then the pandemic hit, and you were already virtual, which you probably benefited a lot from but th- there's there 's a lot of struggles that go into building a business i 'm curious. From your perspective, what are some of those challenges that you've had to overcome as a business owner? And and I, I'm just I love to learn like how you overcame those right? Some of those challenges that you faced starting the business, you know, being virtual in the business, and then the pandemic, and just how you overcame those to continue to serve clients, help them reach their financial dreams.
0: That's a good question, and I think in hindsight, I don't know if I would even take on the same challenges maybe i probably would be a little bit more resourceful and connect with people either via fin twitter or uh, other firms and other platforms that are doing similar things with similar missions and then i could just focus on the things that i love and enjoy because you're so right if you start a business not only do you have to be a fantastic practitioner a great financial planner But you also have to be in charge of sales and marketing and compliance and all of the different processes and workflows to make sure that things aren't falling through the cracks. So I do feel that I've probably made every mistake along the books. Um, The one really thing I will pat myself on the back is that I hired early and I did find someone who had. Maybe the opposite skill sets of me. They're much more, much more detail oriented. They love processes. They love workflow, so that I could focus more on relationships and sales. And Ted and I have been really a great yin and yang for the last couple of years. But definitely, the first two years on my own was extremely tough. Very eye opening experience of you know starting the business, putting advise wealth on the wall, being super excited, and then saying, "Oh crap! Now what do I do?" <laughs> So uh, it's, it's been a wonderful journey. I feel super blessed to have still be in the business. I think survival is really kind of the name of the game. I want to be in this business for the next 40 years, Lord willing. And that's, that's really what it's all about. And just continuing to improve, kind of make the joke of let's just, I don't know where I heard this. I'm sure I'm stealing this, but just try to suck less every single day. And then maybe you'll wake up and be uh, an expert in your field.
1: I love that. Suck less a little bit every day, right? And it's, it's the opposite way of just saying be 1% better every single day and you're going to become great in the future. You know, I, I'm curious to know, you know, because you're still kind of fresh on the, starting out the firm and a lot of people, you know, you think about right now, we have a lot of breakaways that are happening. People moving from warehouses, going independent, people that are breaking away from independence just to go do it themselves. There's a lot of decisions that you have to make when you start a business, especially in wealth management, right? You got compliance, you got your tech stack. You got your custodian. Well, I, I'm curious. Could you just walk us through, you know, some of those decisions you made and how you went about them? Right. Like we could just start with like our tech stack and our custodians, maybe, and say, how did you go through that process of identifying? Because the world of technology in this space is so vast now; it's unbelievable, and it's so hard to sift through the noise to find what's best for each individual firm. And I think that that's not what we were in the business for, we're in the business to serve people, but we have to make those decisions. I'd be curious how you went through those processes to make those decisions.
0: Yeah, that's always a challenge and you can easily go down an unlimited wormhole of just learning FinTech, FinTech, FinTech. I think fortunately for me, when I got started, I was working at a large broker dealer and I did bounce around from a couple companies in the first four years before I started my practice. So I really did get a good taste of what I liked, what I didn't like. And just being really naturally curious in this space, I was always just looking up different platforms. I have like 10 different Roth IRAs and brokerage accounts just on all these different platforms just because I'm genuinely curious how they're doing it. And I would stumble across things like Betterment, for example, and it was just such a wonderful user experience. It was so easy, really cheap, all the the tools and things like that. I was like, all right, if I'm starting my own business, I would love my clients to have that type of experience. And then lo and behold, they do have a B2B platform. So one of my number one custodian relationships is Betterment for Advisors. So I have a deal with them that they get a little bit off the price. so, So instead of 25 basis points, it's 15 basis points. That's not really the big selling point, but it's all branded for Advise Wealth. The client experience feels like, wow, this is a really digital native Uh, advisor. He's a virtual advisor. So that's what my clients are going to expect. A lot of my clients tend to be younger. So they want a mobile app. They want something they can look at their investments from their phone. They want things to be automated. So it kind of started to my fintech uh, lineup really started to happen from things of personal experience. And then I do have to get a shout out to XY Planning Network because I do use them as a a way for me to stay compliant. I do get a lot of deals on some of the FinTech that I use and they have a wonderful lineup of suggestions that they have and a community of advisors who are bouncing ideas off of each other and trying to learn best practices. So, you know, I do use a number of different tools. In addition to that, happy to list off a few of them if your listeners might be curious, but that's kind of where I've come to learn a, a lot of the products and things that I use.
1: You know, what I love about that, and and no need to go into the product specifically necessarily, if if someone wants it, they'll, they'll be able to reach out to you directly is, you know, I love that you went in and you just had this genuine interest of trying them out yourself. Like if you like it, then you're likely your clients are going to like it because you're attracting people that are similar to you. Whereas if you don't like it, it's not going to be there. And you had this experience of what you liked from some firms and what you didn't like. And so you were able to build this mentality. And what I take away from that is it's a a gradual, just continuous iteration of learning um, and taking a genuine interest in it. And so find a couple of those things, test them out on your own, have some genuine interest in it, um, and then see if you like it as a user. I think that that's really a a great way of of going about it. I want to pivot for a second and move to client communication, right? You, you mentioned that a lot of your clients are younger, more digital oriented. And I think that the challenge that we all face is that as much as we want to continue to stay in front of our clients, we are always thinking about them, but we don't let them know that all the time. We don't communicate effectively as, as effectively as we can. We just use email mostly. But how have you gone about um, you know communicating with your clients and also potentially communicating with clients differently based on who they are and and what their interests are or what their age is and everything of that nature. I'd be curious how you you go about client communication in a digital virtual way, which is totally different than a lot of people with with a brick and mortar office.
0: Yeah, I think we do have a pretty unique approach to client communication and even client deliverables. So I think of client communication in almost two different channels. It's kind of the direct communication one-on-one with the client and then maybe the one-to-many which a lot of people would either call that marketing or maybe sending out a newsletter and trying to communicate to clients in a, a more general form, like either like, you know market updates and things like that. So I'll pick on the first one first here with one-on-one communication. So a lot of our deliverables are actually done via just a software called Loom, L-O-O-M. There's a lot of other competitors out there that do video format where I make personalized videos for my clients. And actually, uh, this kind of unique approach got me in Barron's magazine and got a little bit of uh, stir in the industry here. Um, it actually brought on a few clients just because they wanted what I call kind of their personalized Netflix of financial planning. So after a, a client meeting and we talked for an hour, We went through a ton of different information so we're you know a lot of advisors will send them a 20 page pdf of their financial plan that we all know is just going to collect digital dust anyway and what's really cool is the industry is starting to understand that and there's a lot of phrases being coined around like the one page financial plan i'm a huge fan of that but i've taken that a little further and just created the video format so i'll go through the financial plan that i just got done going through with a client and summarize everything that we talked about in about five to maybe five to 10 minutes. And then they can have that in their inbox, rewatch that video anytime that they want and be able to just listen to everything we just talked about. And quite frankly, it's also really nice for me on the notes side because I can watch that video two months, three months, six months later and know exactly every single detail and pick up the plan right where we left off and jump right back into it so that's kind of the one-on-one communication and then i've taken that similar model and just made it more of a a content machine so i love doing video content whether it's on instagram reels or uh, TikTok or uh, repurposing it for all the different platforms linkedin facebook youtube etc that's really kind of the uh, 2022 goal is to get more into a rhythm of that and really trying to focus on that either long-form versus short-form content, it's it's a never-ending challenge
1: there. I love that. And we're going to come back to that word, TikTok. Uh, that is a social media platform for some of those out there, which, I mean, I, I'm still learning it as well. But it's, uh, we're going to get to that in a second. But I was writing it down, I mean, because it's basically got these two you know circles. I always think about like Carl Richards who draws all these simple diagrams. I mean, the, the communication, the sweet spot of communication is enough direct and enough one-to-many marketing pieces and I love the idea of loom loom is a phenomenal software there's another one called vidyard which is very similar and hippo video is another one which is also really good but loom is great and I, I'm curious have you ever thought about and as you were talking I was writing down this note is I'm assuming you do your all of your meetings on on zoom and there's there's even a way potentially to to cut up the zoom video and have that be a part of you know what you're talking about as well and and have that be like a highlight reel for the meeting as well have you explored that. I mean, I think the, the Zoom, the Loom makes more sense because it's quicker and you don't have to have an editor. But I'm, and I'm curious what the the client perception is in terms of these Loom videos. Are they watching it? How frequently are they watching it? What's the feedback that you've gotten from them?
0: feedback has been very positive i do that also as a sales tactic so in the first discovery meeting i'll walk through a client talking about what they can expect what they're looking for on an advisor maybe how i might be able to provide value and then i'll send them a loom follow-up video and i hear time and time again wow, that was a really big differentiator. I talked to five different advisors. I really liked them all. I knew that they're flat fee, all these different aspects that kind of are a differentiator. And then we still had to pick someone. And that video really just kind of set you apart. It reminded us exactly why We wanted to work with you and kind of hit on some of those emotional or maybe even decision making points. So I do find that it to be really effective on the sales side. And then on the communication side, I'll have clients reach out and they've kind of gotten into the point where they'll just ask, can you send me a video on this, this, and this? So we're really starting to almost revolutionize the game because we don't even meet with clients that often anymore. They just want a loom video. And they want to be able to watch it at their time. I work with a lot of busy, busy professionals where maybe one spouse is in the hospital working a 12 hour shift and they're not able to join the meeting, but they still want to be a part of it and they still want to feel like they're involved. So instead of, you know, one spouse having to talk about all the different things that we talked about. They'll just send Collins Loom video. They can watch it, have their own questions. So we get a really a lot of positive feedback either on the sales process or even on the, uh, the recapping side in those financial planning meetings.
1: I, I love that idea. I talk about scale and efficiency, right? It takes you about 15 minutes to do a Loom video as opposed to an hour and a half for an in-person meeting or a meeting. And you can do, you know, what is that? That's six meetings in the time it takes someone to do one. That's called scale and efficiency. And it's valuable, right? i love, 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 love that. And I I love that you can possibly even tie in the idea of questions for the couple to have afterwards that they can discuss and help guide the conversation so that there's a better understanding between them. I love that. Now, I want to shift over to social media. And I, I, I mentioned this earlier, and you mentioned the name of it, TikTok. And Instagram is where you do a lot of your social media marketing. I'm super curious to understand your TikTok strategy. Because as, as many people know it, if you're an older advisor, maybe your grandkids are doing it. Or if you're a younger advisor, maybe your kids are on TikTok and they're sharing dance videos and all that type of stuff. And it's kind of made the news a little bit because many people are giving away advice. But it's just all these random people giving away advice. But now professionals like yourself are starting to get on there. How are you leveraging TikTok in your marketing strategy?
0: Super good question. I never imagined that I would be using TikTok. Honestly, I started a year ago and the effort was to have a platform where real people existed, but none of my coworkers were there, none of my friends were there, none of my family was there. So it was almost like an experimental ground where I could just make videos and and most of them were cringy and maybe one out of 10 of them my goal was to repurpose for Facebook, LinkedIn, and some of the more traditional platforms that I felt that my clients existed on. So I would just continue just trying to have ideas. It felt so more, so much more free because, you know, if you post something on LinkedIn, your coworkers are going to see it. Your parents are, you know, your friends, your family, everyone's going to see it, right? And it's like, oh my gosh, it's got to be perfect. So I kept having analysis paralysis. But with TikTok, I just put the phone to my face. I talked. It was awful and maybe one out of 10 was fine and I'd repurpose it elsewhere. So TikTok kind of became just the breeding ground. But of course, you know how social media works, right? It's all about the at-bats and then the random videos that I thought were terrible would just start creating a ton of comments, a lot, a ton of likes, and the grass is greener where you water it. So if I'm making 10 videos on TikTok compared to one video on all these other platforms, TikTok started taking off. And I had no idea that there are 30, 40, 50 year old professionals on TikTok. I thought it was just a cringy dance platform for like teenagers. And I honestly didn't even really like the platform. I dragged my feet to even get on it. I never told people about it, but it's starting to evolve. There's starting to be more professionals there. There's starting to be more how-to videos. And it's not just that cringy teenager dance platform. Anymore, at least it's in at least for the followers and the way I use it, it's no longer that way. And it's amazing people talking about Roth conversion ladders on TikTok and like I'm in there talking about equity compensations and tax strategies and the people that are commenting on there and the community that's starting to be fostered there. i again never thought or imagined it would ever exist there. So I think I'm starting to strike a chord that maybe is underserved on that particular platform. And I'm not talking about hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers. I have like maybe 12,000 followers. But what's funny is that my engagement is super, super high. So out of the last three months, I took on six clients, which averaging about two clients a month with for my capacity is about as much as I can handle. Four out of six of those clients were from TikTok. And they simply just reached out with a DM and said, love what you do. Uh, how do you do it? And what's funny is that I started to create just some, a couple click funnel flows of, all right, this is the landing page that you go to. And then I made a YouTube video. It's three minutes long. And I just got to the point where I was like, I had a lot of inquiries and I wasn't closing a lot of business earlier, even more than three months ago. And I kept getting people who maybe weren't the perfect client because I do charge a premium fee of $4,800 per year. And not, that wouldn't work for everyone who is reaching out. So I just simply made a quick video explaining what I do, what the cost is, and I require every person who wants to meet with me to watch that video. So ever since I started doing that, it's reduced the amount of people that reach out. And my conversion is like almost 100% because by the time they get to me, they're like, just send me the paperwork. Like, I'm ready to go.
1: I love that. Now, 12,000 followers, and again... I did- <laughs> Anybody listening to this and some of these questions are gonna be like Matt, you are like you sound like the oldest person around, like my grandpa. Because I'm asking questions like uh, it feels like Al Roker when he was asking questions about the internet and the email. Like, what is the A with the circle around it? Right? Like, <laughs> right, right. And where does this email go? Does it go through space? Like I remember that that video so vividly. It's so. But good. twelve thousand followers sounds like a lot. Is that normal? Is that a leader? Like I mean, I, I the reason I think about that is like I think about Twitter, right? Twitter you know i don't know we got 5 6000 like but we've worked hard for those like 12000 seems like a lot how did you go ahead and get all those types of followers and how do you yeah how did you get that
0: it uh, it's pretty funny how that worked cuz the goal again on on tiktok was not to gain followership it was just to create 10 cringy videos and maybe have one of them that i could actually use for a good quote unquote social media platform like linkedin facebook etc and it's funny looking back because you can see the the statistics um the first couple months it took a long time to get to 100 and then the next couple months to 200 and then you know compounding and then it went to 400 then 800 and then literally the last month i've probably brought in on like six thousand followers and i mean i'm just excited for like what the next month has in store for me because if it keeps doubling like this I don't know what's going to, it's going to break the internet. And as far as what I'm concerned, because I'm not used to large followings. That's not really the name of my game. When I started the the business, I was like, I need a hundred clients tomorrow. So I was scratching and clawing with my fingernails, calling my friends and calling my parents' friends and anyone that was in my social circle, anyone that could fog a mirror, if they would be willing to sit down with me. Now, four years later, we have a line out the door and we have inquiries coming from this random platform on TikTok. I mean, if you told me that a year ago or even or two years ago, I would have never believed you. Um, so it really has, it's really developing right before my eyes. This is completely brand new and I'm still kind of astonished that it's happening.
1: I love it. And I love that you say the grass is always greener where you water it the most. You're just putting in the time. And that's the thing with marketing that I think we overlook. We are an industry that wants that quick buck. And, and unfortunately, we know that that's not able to be done because we teach our clients that that's not able to be done. But when it comes to marketing, we're just not natural marketers. And we want really quick results from that. Um, but you have to put in the time. And I love, love that that example. I'm curious on the technology side. We were talking about it a little bit with your tech stack. We're talking about it now with your marketing side. I mean, you have to be really tech heavy. I, I'm curious as the sense of, if I came into your firm and I said... Hey, Colin, you can you have to you have to eliminate all of your technology, everything, except for three pieces of technology. You can only keep three. We've talked about Loom. We've talked about TikTok. You know, we've talked about some of these. What would those three pieces of technology that you're like, I can't live without these, but if I had these, I could go and do anything and everything for my clients. I'm curious. I know it's a kind of an out there question, but you, are so, you have to be technology forward in order to serve your clients. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love to know kind of your gut reaction to what those three pieces of software would be for you.
0: That's a super good question. I think I run two businesses, to be honest. One is servicing clients and doing financial services. And then the other is a marketing business. So... It almost have to be different, the three different pieces to run. each I'll let you do that.
1: I'll let you do that. So I I might be,
0: you know, I'm cheating a little bit in the question there, but on the investment management side, having a custodian that is really easy to use, that automates the rebalancing, the billing, the reporting is really important. So right now I just happen to use Betterment. The other one that I'd give a major shout out to who I am in the process of bringing on to the RIA is Altruist. Um, I know Jason Wink pretty well. He actually lives right down the street from me and super nice guy, really believe in what he's building. Uh, I also believe in in a lot of Betterment's mission. So having number one, a custodian that is super easy to use, really light and digital native is going to be the easiest one that jumps out to me. Number two, believe it or not, I do almost all of my financial planning in Google Sheets. So I love right capital, love e-money. I, I use both those softwares. I could probably drop both of them and still do 90% of my financial planning. I just need it once in a while for a really complicated, maybe illustration on some Roth conversions or maybe some, some social security analysis stuff. But most of the time I could just do it in Google Sheets. And I've built out these Google Sheet templates that have saved me way more time. And again, kind of going back to that Carl Richard thing, the one page plan, I'm big fan of just showing clients. I call it the stair step system, for example, where it's got three different stair steps for d- different time horizons and it's their balance sheet. So it shows, you know, their cash values on their first stair step, the money that they need in the next three to 10 years on their second, and then all of their 10 year plus money on the third stair step. And it's just a nice one page lister that shows how much they're saving what the current balances are and kind of why they're doing what they're doing at least based on time horizon so i always kind of go back to that stair step clients refer to it all the time of hey we need to update my stair steps or which stair step should i pull this money from or i just got a lump sum of cash which stair step should i contribute to so that's really kind of the financial planning system in a nutshell i think between that maybe just a light crm system to record all of our conversations, which I just happen to use Wealthbox. I am in the in the process of pivoting to building out my own via Airtable, but that's for my partner Ted. That's in his realm. I have I don't even know how to open Airtable and all the complicated features that offers. But basically, we're building like a small Salesforce within Airtable, which I'm not even going to be able to operate. So t- Ted is uh, Ted's on that side. So I'd say a CRM system, uh, a custodian. And then uh, financial planning software, which I just use Google Sheets on the business financial side.
1: I love that. I think that that's, there's something to be said there, right? Like Google Sheets, it, simplifying it for yourself is value to simplify it for your clients. Like the, You don't need to have that overly complex system to sell. It's simple actually sells better than complexity in that way. The last question I want to ask you uh, before I let you go, and or before, actually before I, I'm lying, because I got to ask you my two common questions that I, I ask all my guests at the end of the conversations. But before we get there, you're 100% virtual and you're you a laid back dude, right? Mm-hmm. You don't wear a suit. I know you wear you tend to wear hats in meetings. I'm I was surprised you're not wearing a hat. You could have worn a hat. You can wear hats on the podcast. But I'm curious in terms of your perspective. This industry was always, you think back 40 years ago, it was ties and mahogany. It's gotten a little bit more gradually moved to where not many people are wearing ties anymore. Sometimes jackets and just buttons ups and then it's just button ups. And now some people are wearing golf shirts, But what is your perspective of the formal wear for this industry, right? We're talking about people's monies. We're talking about their future. What's your belief of how you have to look to kind of be in that role?
0: So I think if you, especially if you want to be a virtual advisor, you really have to have a digital footprint and just be open and authentic with your audience and really just with the world of who you are, what you believe and what you provide. That's really where I feel like that's why I'm being, I'm finding success. Being virtual because I am very open. I love having fun. I got nothing to hide. I attract clients who also like to surf and like to have fun and are a little bit more techie. So that's kind of a a nice overlap. And you know, if you need a mahogany table and if you need to suit and you need to overpay for your financial advice, great. You know, there's a, a wonderful firm on the 10th floor of some beautiful building that's waiting for you to go pay for parking and would be happy to, to host and, and siphon 1% of your assets. There's, I, I kind of unapologetically just want to be who I am and attract clients. One of our rules is kind of the no assholes allowed. So, you know, if you are a jerk about money or a jerk about meeting, we're just not going to be a good fit. And you know what? That's cool. We can high five, shake hands, still be friends and not work together. And I think people really get that sense right off the bat with me, whether they are watching my content or they're meeting with me in a discovery meeting. And I've had people say, you know, in, in the first meeting, this is exact. I just wanted to have this meeting to make sure you were real, but this is exactly what I was expecting. Let's move forward. So it's taken a long time building kind of that, that digital footprint and kind of finding my own voice. I still struggle with it. I still cringe at a lot of my content but it's getting easier slowly. It's getting better. And, and it, just having that positive feedback loop of clients and prospects saying, we just enjoy chatting with you. We trust you. You, you know, you just wear your your heart on your sleeve. And uh, it's a ton of fun working with a real human. So I don't think that part's going away. And it feels like this new generation growing up, they really want to know a little bit more of why you're doing what you're doing and not just Building a business just just to make money and to provide a service. So I think a lot of those companies that are recycling or they're you know they they brag about giving back. That's really important, I think, for just having a, a more holistic approach to business and just being a capitalist society in general.
1: I give you so much kudos, man. I think that coming into your own and just being you and being okay with who you are and, and letting that show. To clients, I think that's something that is unfortunately not as prevalent in our industry or even in the indus- in, in all industries, right? In the world, I think you accept it and you own it. And you say, hey, if you want to be a part of it, this is who I am. If you don't, best of luck. And it's no hard feeling to either side. So uh, that, I think that's amazing. And it's really two things like vulnerability and authenticity. Be vulnerable, right? Yeah, you know, these clients are being vulnerable with us as advisors. We should be vulnerable with them as well. We should be authentic with them as well. Let them know who we are. We want to know who they are so we can serve them. And it should be, you know, to build a strong relationship, it should be both ways. And so I think that you're doing that. I love that, man. And I'm I'm really stoked for you and in, in what you got ahead of yourself in the firm and serving your clients. Before I let you go though, I gotta ask you my two common questions. My two my two questions. I don't let anybody leave without. And the first one is, is that part of the reason I do these conversations is that I love to learn. Like I've learned so much in this conversation. Like I love that loom idea. I think that that's such a valuable idea and, and concept, but I also love to learn by reading and I love to read books by others that I believe in and I look up to are reading. So I'm curious, what's one of those books that you think everybody should read, whether they're a client or they're a business person or they're just looking for something good to read? What's one of those books that's one of your favorites?
0: So I'm going to start off with one that you're not expecting which is Matthew McConaughey's book called Green Lights. And it is just a beautiful novel of his real life story and the crazy life that he had. And it was super inspiring to read because it's just all about Green Lights Go. And you have these little moments in your life where you're, you know, should you shy away or should you just jump forward and take the risk and go for it? And throughout my entire office here, I have Justin Bieber with like F and go for it. And like uh, I have Harry Styles up here being you be you be free. And like I just get a lot of energy of just reminding myself to be authentic and to not just get trapped by dogma. And I have a couple of Steve Jobs quotes up here saying don't get trapped by dogma and to to be free and authentic. So that's kind of one of my first books that kind of just kind of jumps out at me that way. Got to hit you with a second one, though, because I love behavioral finance. I think that that's a big reason why people choose to work with me is that really trying to find that alignment of using your capital and your resources, your time, your energy, your money versus what you love and what you value. So The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel has been a real awesome book for me and kind of speaking to how we spend money and how we save money. And that's been a ton of fun. And then my last book that I really enjoy, which Morgan House is actually in, he writes one chapter of it, is a book called How I Invest My Money. And that's by Brian Portnoy and Josh Brown. You may have heard of Josh Brown with Rit Wealth Management, he's on CNBC often. And what I love about that book is that it's just a, I think there's 20 chapters in it, all written by different advisors and how they actually invest their money. And it's just so refreshing to hear real successful advisors running massive RIAs, massive firms managing billions of dollars. And these folks are paying off their mortgages early because it makes them feel good. Even though they have that low-cost leverage that they could get better returns in the market, they understand it, but it makes them feel good. And they invest in three different index funds because it's low-cost, it's simple, they understand it, And then some of them have their little gambling account that is 10 or 5% of their wealth and they know they're not going to beat the market, but they just enjoy it and they invest in angel investments because it's their buddy and they want to help. And it's just, uh, again, a refreshing book to hear how successful people actually invest their money. And it's like, wow, you really don't need to have all of these crazy financial instruments that people believe that rich folks are using and being your own bank and infinite banking and you know all of this like crazy uh, complicated random stuff to sell you a product Eh, actually it's pretty simple and the answer is probably go outside and enjoy your life
1: i love that three awesome books green light by the way Matthew mcconaughey was one of my favorite books that i've read in a long time And if you want to listen to a great podcast talking about green light was it it was actually launched a few right when Matthew McConaughey was launching the book. It was with Ryan Holiday on the Daily Stoic podcast of talking with Matthew McConaughey. It was just an awesome, awesome podcast and an amazing book. All right. Last question, but now I'll let you go is, so I always ask people this and I got it from the Barons Conferences and they always ask their guests on the, on the panels, what's one piece of actionable advice you think our listeners should take away from this conversation? One piece of actionable advice that they should take away?
0: So I'm pretty significantly ADD, ADHD, however you want to call it. And I truly believe I would not be where I am today and following my dreams if I did not continue, if I wasn't ADD. So like my big piece of advice is to just follow your curiosity and just just your heart. And even Steve Jobs, I mean, I just, I mentioned that it's on my wall as well. Um, Somehow your heart and your intuition already knows what you want to become. So just follow it and just continuing to listen to it. Try to be unapologetic about it. And uh, I I think you're going to find a lot of joy in your life if you continue to do that.
1: Colin Overway, man, what an awesome conversation, inspirational and just amazingly innovative and forward looking. I'm so excited to continue to follow you. I'm so appreciative of you joining us here on Bridging the Gap and sharing your knowledge with us. I, like I said, I know I'm excited to follow you and follow all the success you're going to have. And I'm sure there's others out there that want to continue to stay in touch with you, learn from you and follow you. And so what's the best way for people to follow you and stay in touch with you on your journey?
0: Any social media platform. I try to repurpose my stuff on most platforms. So Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, those are the main ones. And it's just my name, Colin Overway.
1: I love it. Colin Overway, thank you so much, man, for your time. Best of luck. And let's stay in touch. And uh, I, I continue to watch you succeed. I'm, I'm excited for you. Sounds
0: great, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Big fan of the podcast here in the show. Love what you're doing. So keep up the great
1: work. I appreciate it, man. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Bridging the Gap.
1: Don't forget to give us a rating and let us know what you think.